Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Hi everyone and welcome to our brand new series called Culture Shift, which we're going to be covering four different topics that people love to talk about and have lots of opinions about. And we're going to be exploring them uh, through interviewing some some really key people uh, who can help us to understand a little bit about what God might be saying into these topics. So today we're looking at well-being and mental health. And I am delighted that we have um, Erin Doherty uh, with us. Erin, welcome. How are you? I am well. Thank you for having me, Steve. It's great to be with you. Oh, it's great. Now, you're Scottish. Yes. Yes, certainly. But whereabouts are you living? And tell us a little bit about who you are and about what you do for a living. Excellent. So unlike my accent, I actually hail from the Midlands at the moment. So I am in Wolverhampton and I work um, in a children's hospital as a mental health nurse. I lead a service there. And yeah, I've been a mental health nurse now for 10 years. Um, certainly was something that I fell into and um, really from a passion of wanting to stand with people in their darkest moments. So I've been really privileged to do that for the last 10 years. So you said that um, you wanted to look at uh, or get involved in mental health because you wanted to uh, help and support people. Just just very quickly, um, how has your faith impacted what you do? I think it's massively impacted how I see recovery. Um, So for a lot of my um, service users and patients that I've worked with over the years, often they have been really stuck and have really felt very distressed at times. And I think although we have lots and lots of treatments that really do um, take us into the next level in treating mental health, I am also able to bring a spiritual aspect where when I go home at night, I can leave that weight with Jesus and I can pray for people um, and I can see restoration within and people that I'm working with. So that's really lovely. Sure. That's great. Now, mental health, it seems as if um, mental health has uh, kind of increased massively over uh, these last few years. Now, is that the case or is it just that it's talked about and people are more open about it now? I think there's a few things impacting on how prevalent mental health is now. I think, first of all, we're more aware of it because our communication up and down the country is far better. Um, So if I think about sort of when I grew up, I probably didn't know anybody in my immediate family or in my immediate class group that struggled with their mental health. But now, particularly for our young people, for our youth leaders, often where we see people struggle is they will communicate on things like social media um, or via WhatsApp, which was never an option. So we've got avenues of people being able to communicate now, which make things easier than previously. So I think that's part of it. I think the next part of it is actually we've had a really, really tough decade in terms of how life now looks and financial pressures relationships um, and really how society supports each other as a community so I think that certainly had an impact on people's mental health and then most recently um, we've obviously been living through unprecedented times Steve and that's certainly um, we are going to see I think an increase again in people not coping very well. Fantastic so so what are the what are the symptoms Um, and, and uh, how how do people identify whether they just feel low, whether they suffer from anxiety, whether they have depression? It kind of they, often it all kind of gets lumped into one. 
And yet I'm sure that uh, the outworking of it would be very different. So can you just fill us in a little bit on the symptoms of what we should be looking at for ourselves as well as looking out for in others? So I think the, the most common thing to look out for is has there been a significant change in how I live my life now? And I mean outside the boundaries of the things we're not allowed to do. Um, but I'll give you an example of that. If you're somebody who normally exercises several times a week and actually you find that it's becoming more and more difficult to motivate yourself, um, certainly that sometimes is a result of the weather and coming into winter. But that might also be a sign that actually you're not doing so well within yourself. Um, I think in terms of appetite, often our appetite will change when we're suffering from low mood. It'll either become increased and we'll eat far more um, or actually it'll become decreased and we'll not be... Um, too interested in food and what we're eating. Our sleep can often change and sleep's a funny thing, Steve, because actually we all need it and we need plenty of it. But often when we are going through periods that are very difficult, our sleep is significantly affected. That rolls into the next day and we can't really perform at our best if we've not put good stuff in, if we've not had good sleep, good food. So often that, again, is a contributing factor, as is having our phones out um, during the night and finding ourselves checking the news, checking Facebook. I think in terms of anxiety, that's a word that certainly within the last decade um, has become more prevalent and it has been more spoken about, which is great. Um, And I think there's a difference between worry and anxiety. You know, worry is something that we... Um, are partic- we're sort of expecting something to happen and we're wondering how that's going to go whereas anxiety often stops us living a fullness of life and that can be really difficult and I think when I try and explain anxiety to people we need to recognise that we need a certain amount of anxiety in our life to keep us safe you know you should feel anxious before you cross the road you should feel anxious before an interview that's natural because it is potentially going to be a big change But when you start feeling anxious about whether or not you've turned the lights off, when you feel anxious about sounds in the house and that's not normal for you, what's actually going on in your brain is your fight or flight response is going, hey, look, look, you're in danger. Um, And then that starts to make us feel quite dizzy, quite sick. Um, And these symptoms are symptoms that do need attention. You do need to speak to somebody if you're finding that you don't have everyday worries um, that actually it is an anxiety that is having some physical symptoms because there are things that we can do to help with these physical symptoms and help people step back into feeling in control again. Fantastic. So I want to come to that in just um, in just a few yeah. moments, if that's OK. Um, I mean, mental health has, has certainly the profile of it has been raised so much. I mean, Prince William has done programmes on it. There have been various um, sports. So I think it was... Um, uh, uh, Flintoff, uh, Andrew Flintoff, who, who speaks about having bulimia. Uh, he's spoken about mental health issues uh, in the past. Uh, and other celebrities, it, it just seems to be that people are more open um, uh, regarding speaking about it. What what we don't hear very often is, um, is about how um, mental health uh, affects faith. And you know, it's almost as if uh, to be a Christian and to have mental health issues is like a taboo, yeah. you know, that, that, well, you shouldn't because, you know, I, I, I jotted down some verses. So let me just uh, read some verses yeah. to you that, um, that the fruit of the spirit is love, it's joy and it's peace. It goes on to other things, 
joy and peace, people who struggle experiencing both of those um, uh, at times. Jesus says, Why, um, uh, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. So Jesus is telling people not to worry. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Uh, today's trouble is enough for today. So <laughs> he says that. Paul writes in the New Testament and he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace. There we go. So they are really great positive verses, yeah. unless you're depressed, anxious, struggling desperately in life. And then all of a sudden that just, well, can sink people. It, yeah. it, it piles guilt on people. Yeah. Um, come on, tell us a little bit about how do you see that? How do, how do you explain that? How can people have hope even when that's not what they're experiencing? I think everybody's situation is different, but there's lots of trends, shall we say, in terms of my experiences in supporting Christians with their mental health. I think what I would like to say first is actually the verses that you've re you've read there are often taken out of context um, in terms of this should be how you feel. Um, whereas actually when we look at them, it's people bringing words of encouragement and it's people saying, hey, lay this down, you know, be filled with peace. And I think what we need to first of all, remember is even people who are mentally ill, regardless of whether it is depression, anxiety, um, or even psychosis, often even in the midst of that, you can still feel peace. Um, it doesn't mean that everything else changes round about you, um, but you can still feel peace. But I think where there isn't peace, what we need to remember as a church is we need to do exactly what Jesus did, which was to get down and to eat alongside people who are feeling very broken is to, you know, be the unpopular person who says, wait a minute, I'm not going to stand with the rest of you while you look down on the situation. I'm going to get involved and I'm going to try and bring some restoration here. Our bodies aren't perfect. We have been created in the perfect image of God. But unfortunately, we do live in a fallen world and we are subject to illness. And when Jesus wrote these verses and when Paul was speaking, you know, the reality is, is these are words of truth in the sense is that Jesus can meet all of our needs. But as human beings who live in a fallen world and who suffer from illness, we're not always in a place to be able to engage with everything that is written in the Bible. And we need to not put additional pressure on people who are already ill. And I think the reality is, is if you don't know what to say, just don't say anything or tell somebody you don't know what to say. It's so empowering when somebody says, hey, I don't know how it feels down here, but I'm just going to sit with you. You know, but we feel this need to have to say something and to sound quite clever you don't have to. That's not what Jesus asks us to do. He asks us to come alongside people and to show people him. And that is the care and compassion would show if somebody broke their leg. You know, you don't get cards, do you? I'm really sorry to hear you're suffering with depression. Um, you know, you come to church and you break your leg and all of a sudden you're on a meal rota. Somebody's going around and doing your shopping. How often do we do these things for the people in our church that we know are struggling with their mental health? How often do we say, hey, can I walk your dog? Because I've noticed that you've not been out recently with your dog. Um, so it's these little things that I feel as a church, we do need to tackle and say, actually, mental health, we know more about now. We don't need to go over the past. Um, it may be that actually we do need to apologise to some people. But what we do need to do is change the way we respond going forward. So what advice would you give to someone regarding their mental uh, well-being? What, what steps should people take? So I think there's a, there's a few things. I mean, there's five ways to well-being. If you go on the NHS website and Google five ways to well-being, um, it will it, it, 
basically step-by-step stuff looking at um, what we're involved in, daily exercise, the way that we live. And then interestingly enough, um, one of the things round about the five ways to wellbeing is serving. Um, so volunteering and being involved in something because it gives us community and actually serving is really good for us, our souls um, and for how we feel. So I think that's really important um, round about that. I think it is about um, what do we do in terms of coping strategies when things aren't going well. So I think often as Christians, um, you know, we should and do go immediately to put our worship in, on and to read our Bibles. And I think that's really important. We shouldn't underestimate the power of what we put in our head um, because actually it goes into our heart. And um, certainly I know myself, particularly when you feel overwhelmed and not in connection, just sticking that worship on and flooding yourself and almost having mantras round about, I will sing these words. And, you know, there's the song, The Goodness of God. Sometimes speaking these things out really does help our mental health because we're actually able to say, right, actually, I'm going to believe this even when I don't feel it. And that can be really helpful. Um, I think another thing that can be really good for our mental health, absolutely, is fresh air, is exercise. I'm a big advocate of dogs Steve but that's not an NHS professional opinion Um, but dogs do just make life a little bit better if I'm honest Um, but it's having a purpose to get up. I know no one welcomes you home in in (laughs) such an enthusiastic way as a dog eh? (laughs) That's true. Absolutely absolutely if you need to see joy you just need to look at a Labrador a chocolate one in particular Um, but it's about looking at having purposeful activity in our life um, because that certainly does make things much better. The most important part is if you feel that you're not feeling well Go to the GP, you know, go to the GP. Is it the best first call? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Your GP looks at throats, you know, does your blood pressure. But the GP is also fantastic about speaking to you about your mental health. They have these conversations every day. So prior to me working in this role, I worked in a GP practice for two years um, because we had so many people coming in and talking about their mental health. But the GP will have a wealth of information locally about where you can speak to somebody, um, what you might be able to get involved in. There's lots of things going on in the voluntary sector that will improve our well-being. And then obviously for those who are more poorly within themselves and maybe have some physical symptoms, um, then the GP would also look at medication. Okay, yeah, and that's it. So, if But what if the doctor um, recommends medication? I don't like taking tablets. I don't want to get hooked on them. Uh, th- there is a real fear that people have uh, and that they start to feel better, so they'll stop taking them because they don't need them anymore. Yeah, okay. So I think, I mean, this is a massive one, I think. And I think far bigger in church than it is outside of church, if I'm honest, round about medication for mental health. And I think there is, first of all, a couple of myths about medication that are that's given for mental health conditions. So the first bit about it being addictive, um, there are medications that are addictive that aren't specifically for your mental health that previously people would have been provided for things like anxiety. So our, our benzodiazepines and our diazepam can be quite addictive and they were given previously. They're not prescribed as often now but the the medications that are most likely going to be prescribed for depression or anxiety are a group of sort of drugs known as SSRIs and they're not addictive medication they're actually serotonin uptake inhibitors getting a little bit scientific now for all you sci-fis out there but what that does is it's actually about increasing the serotonin in our brain which is the chemical that allows us in short to feel joy Um, so it's not something that works immediately it's something that takes time to build up um, and therefore is also something tight that takes time to build down, knock down, shall we say. 
Um, and that's why it's really important, actually, when we're looking at medication to really ask the doctor questions, you know, think about why don't I want to take this? If the doctor was giving me medication for my blood pressure or for diabetes and was saying this would be the best treatment, would I not trust that this doctor has my best interests at heart? Um, and I think particularly for the church, we, we must be very careful when we're talking to people about medication. Um, and we must recognise that actually God gave us people who found their calling in being a doctor, who found their calling in being a GP, who found their calling in making medications. Um, and actually he wants these to be used as part of the way in which we seek help and the way in which we get treatment and become able to experience a fullness of life. Um, so I do understand people's fear around medication. I do believe we've got a lot of myths that need busted. Um, but I also believe as the church that we should be encouraging people to take medical advice from medical people um, and that actually we, we we shouldn't really speak into that at all. That's, that is really freeing, really releasing for, for people um, uh, who will be watching to know that that's okay, that that's a good thing to Absolutely. do. Um, so just finally, uh, you've been brilliant. Thank you. Uh, what advice would you give the church community about caring for those who struggle with mental health is, um, illness? What's the culture shift that you see the church needs to be making? So I think the first thing is recognising that you don't need to be a mental health specialist in order to support someone in their mental health. Um, but equally, you shouldn't pretend to be one. That's really, really important in church as well. Um, but actually, when it comes to low mood anxiety in particular, what people need most is to be in relationship with people um, and to be in that relationship, whether they're having a good day or a bad day. So it is looking at actually, can we set up a buddy system? If somebody's coming to you, it may not be that actually you're the right person to support 50 people in the church, um, but it might actually be that people have identified themselves as being people who enjoy um, bringing others along and standing with them when things are really tough. Um, so I think that's the first thing. The second thing is just being careful with our words, Steve, particularly around topics such as healing. Um, so again, looking at the 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 way in which we speak about healing within our church, lots of people being prayed for within their mental health and not immediately seeing any recovery or healing, that in itself doesn't make you feel much better at the time. But being able to have honest conversations about how people feel when they have been prayed for and really just look at, you know, how do we feel about our theology as a church? How do we feel about healing? And let's not separate the mental health from anything else because actually we're whole beings and um, so actually the healings maybe not in the way that we wanted it or how we saw it, but actually should we also be praying for other things around that, like peace, like relationships, like all these other things that God could work through um, and do things through. So I think language round about healing as well is really important. I think, as I said, um, not isolating people. So if they're involved in church life and in ministry, just because they've pulled out a couple of times because they're having a really hard time, um, it's about making sure you keep connecting in and allowing us to give ourselves permissions um, one of the things I do with my team is talk about what permissions do we give ourselves on a daily basis that allow us to really step into all that we've been called into. And if we look at ourselves as Christians, I mean, my dad's uh, a vicar and he gets up at five o'clock every morning and he has done his morning prayers and all sorts by the time I'm even out my bed. Um, and very much even on his worst day, he would do that because he wouldn't give himself permission not to do that because it's very much this is how I should be. But actually, if we give ourselves permission to actually on the days that we don't feel 100% and don't need to turn up, to not turn up, that can make all the difference so that when we are turning up that we're fully present. 
So I think it's about giving permissions um, and allowing people to go gently with themselves. There's a lot of talk around about self-care. Um, and actually, again, me and my dad at times have funny discussions about this. I think at times he sees that when I speak about self-care as being indulgent. Um, but actually, we know that we can't pour from an empty cup. Jesus, um, there are lots of people in the Bible, went away and rested and God restored them and they came back. So we need to look at, as a church, are we encouraging people to see rest has been really important. Um, are we encouraging people to take time out? I'm a massive advocate for the Premier Inn. Um, I book myself in there once a month, Steve. I'm really not embarrassed about it, but I love to just go there and just, you know, relax with Jesus and just be completely chilled out in a bed where I've got a good night's sleep guarantee. Um, but it's putting these things in as a church and saying, actually, we're going to have this on the top of the agenda. How are we caring for ourselves so that we can go out and care for our communities and we can care for those that we love? Erin, that's brilliant. I am so grateful for your insight, for you um, just giving us uh, the time. And um, obviously the work that you're doing is vital. Um, and uh, I just love it that you've created time to, to invest in us and to help us. So Erin, thank you so much. No problem. It's been lovely, Steve. Thank you. Great, thanks. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find the next step, give financially or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the fall. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.